Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord for us. Earlier this month, the U.S. Open tennis tournament was played in New York City. This, uh, if you know much about the sport, this is one of the four major tournaments. And again, I don't know how much tennis you watch, but for the professional tennis player, it's all about the serve. All about the serve. So Roger Federer, of course, is one of the all-time greats in the sport. And his success is due, in part, to the fact that he improved his serve very early in his career. And so a lot of players think that it is just the harder I serve, the better. Those, those monster serves. Federer doesn't have those jaw-dropping 145-mile-per-hour serves. No, in fact, he routinely serves in the 120s or even lower. His serves are excellent because of their accuracy. They're excellent because of their accuracy. He, he's just mastered the ability to place the ball right where he wants it with just the right amount of spin at just the right angle. Check this out. Don't you love That was Wimbledon 2014. Those were four consecutive serves, by the way. I should have pointed that out. Four consecutive serves is what we just saw. Four aces in a row. (laughs) And it is just this beautiful picture, especially if you enjoy and appreciate the sport of tennis, but it's this beautiful picture of skills that are being used wisely. They're being used the right way. They're being used effectively in order to accomplish the goal. Now, why do I mention all of this? Well, it's because this week and next, for the next two Sundays, this is exactly what we're going to be talking about in relation to our spiritual gifts. So we're going to be challenged to improve our serve. There's excellence in accuracy. Now listen, whether you know your spiritual gift or you've never heard of a spiritual gift, I think the Lord has something for each and every one of us today and next Sunday as well. So let me introduce myself. I'm John, uh, privileged to serve as lead pastor here at MCA, and I'm thrilled that you are with us today. I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. So before we get into our text for this morning, I want to begin, so we're, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts for the next two weeks. And I want to begin with this great biblical truth. God is the giver of gifts. Every good and perfect gift, the scriptures tell us, comes from the Father above. He is a giver of good gifts. So the spiritual gifts are not the only gifts that God gives us. His greatest gift is his son, Jesus Christ. God gives us, through Christ, forgiveness. That's a gift. He gives us eternal life. So we know from Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He gives us the Holy Spirit. So this means when we place our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he promises to always, and I mean always, be with us through his Holy Spirit. 
Romans 5, 5 tells us, God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. One of the beautiful things about the life with Jesus, then, is this idea of discovering our spiritual gifts. What is it that God has uniquely given to me that I might use to serve others and serve him? So your spiritual gift is given to you the moment you give your life to Jesus. It's supernatural. He imparts it to you the moment you give your life to him. And no, you don't choose which one you get. <laughs> this is not, and, and the scriptures warn against against this. This is not to be envious of someone else and the gifts God has given them, but to accept the gifts that God has given you. So you don't choose the gift that you have. You don't earn the gift you have. It's not that you're worthy of one and unworthy of another. The gifts, by the way, that God gives you, and this sort of goes against our understandings of gifts, they're not for your benefit. The, the beauty in your spiritual gifts is only when you use them for the benefit of others. That's the purpose of our spiritual gifts, then to mature, to build up the body of Christ. So your talent is God's gift to you, but what you do with it, that's your gift back to God. See, when you use your spiritual gift, it draws people closer to the Lord. This is, I tell people, this is the difference between your natural abilities and your spiritual gifts. Because oftentimes people get confused or wonder what's the difference, right? And you can look at the secular world and you can see there are people who are very gifted. They have a lot of abilities and talents. So are those spiritual gifts? No, they're not. Not if they're not believers. So what's the difference? Well, there's a big difference and it's that very simple point. When you use your spiritual gifts, it encourages others, and it draws them to greater faith, and it draws them closer to the Lord. It, in other words, it produces spiritual results. Natural abilities might inspire, wow, look what Roger Federer can do with a ball and a racket. But a spiritual gift produces spiritual fruit. It draws people close to the Lord. Now, I've talked about spiritual gifts enough in my uh, life to know that anytime I begin a conversation about spiritual gifts, there is usually one dominating singular thought that goes through our minds, and that is, I wonder what my spiritual gift is. <laughs> what, what's mine? And again, for, for our audience today, whether you're here in-house or you're tuning in online, some of you know your spiritual gifts and you're operating in it, and others of you are like, I, don't, I really don't even know what a spiritual gift is. You, if we asked you to list them, you'd be embarrassed because you, you'd be struggling to figure out what they are. We often want to know, what is our spiritual gift? So today, what I'd like to do is just address that head on. That, that's where we're going to be today in our study of the scriptures. How do I discover my spiritual gift? And so I have three very specific points, very specific ways that we, that you, can discover what your spiritual gift is. How do I discover what my spiritual gift is? And it begins with this point, study the spiritual gifts. It begins with looking into the scriptures and studying what God says about spiritual gifts. So uh, I hope you brought your Bible with you. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have three primary texts for the spiritual gifts, by the way, if you're a note taker, it, and we'll be in all of them. It's 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. Those are the three primary passages. 1 Peter 4 also makes a slight mention. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, of course, wrote this letter to the church in Corinth and wanted to make sure the church had a proper understanding about spiritual gifts. And so he begins this chapter by saying in verse 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Simply put, this is a topic far too important for us to be uneducated about. You need to have a good understanding of spiritual gifts. So today as we talk about improving our serve, it begins right here by digging into the scripture, by studying God's word, by beginning to understand and wrestle with what are the spiritual gifts. So we are, by the way, going to take plenty of time together this morning to walk through the scriptures and study the spiritual gifts. That's on the agenda for us this morning in this service. 
So I'm going to go through three ways. How do I discover my spiritual gifts? And once we do that, then we're going to go back to the scriptures and talk through each and every one of the spiritual gifts and what they are and what the scriptures say about them. So that's just a heads up on where we're going this morning. But you see, too often, here's what happens. We stop studying the gifts as soon as we discover what ours is. As soon as we realize, like, oh, that's mine, whether it's true or not, by the way, we stop studying. I don't really care about the others, but, but that's a mistake. And when I say improving our serve, how do you discover your spiritual gifts begins with studying and understanding what the spiritual gifts are. I mean, studying all of the spiritual gifts, understanding it holistically. Your spiritual gift is not about you. And so it's helpful for us to understand and to study all of them. We're to understand all of the spiritual gifts so that we can all serve together really better. And again, our our gift has no value unless we give it away. Part of the reason that we should study all of them is so that we can be useful, we can be helpful in recognizing, pointing out, affirming, encouraging others in their spiritual gifts. See, see, if I just understand mine and stop there, then when I see Jerry operating in his gifts, I don't really know. Is that your gift? I don't really know much about yours. But, but see, if, I, if I've studied the scriptures, I might be able to say, Jerry, I see this gifting in you. I see you using it. And way to go, man. Keep serving Christ. So does that make sense? That's part of the reason why we need to study all of the spiritual gifts. So we're talking this morning about how do I discover my spiritual gifts? Step number one, study the spiritual gifts. Number two, discern your spiritual gifts, right? And discerning our spiritual gifts, it begins with prayer. It begins with, Lord, I'm in the scriptures and I understand something of of this, the body of Christ and how you've given unique gifts to each and every one. Lord, what's my part? Am I the eye? Am I the hand? Am I the feet? What part am I, Lord? How have you gifted me? How am I to serve you? So, so the more time you spend talking with God and asking the Lord about these spiritual gifts, then the more opportunity you have to learn about the ways God has gifted you. So it begins with prayer. Your, your prayerful questions about your spiritual giftedness will lead you to God's plans for you, why he has gifted you, and what he has called you to do. So uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 right now. If we jump down to verse 4, here's what Paul says. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So we all have different kinds of gifts, and it is a beautiful thing. Different ways we serve. The ways you serve are different from the person sitting next to you, and they're different from your spouse and your friend and your children. Different kinds of workings, but we work together. So we need all of us to accomplish God's mission in the world. So there's not just one kind of gift that fits all the believers. So this is evident, by the way, when you're having the church lunch and someone loads up a plate and they're carrying it with one hand and they sort of lose control and it ends up splat on the gym floor and how people respond differently to that. The person who has the gift of prophecy says, well, that's what happens when you're not careful. The person with the gift of serving says, here, let me help you clean that up. The person with the gift of teaching says, I understand the reason why it fell. I looked at your plate and I saw you had spaghetti on one side and just garlic bread on the other. You were holding it with one hand. It was just simply too heavy on the one side. That's why it fell over. The person with the gift of encouragement says, I am sure you're not going to do that next time. You can do this. The person with the gift of giving says, here, take my plate. You can have my food. The person with the gift of mercy says, I am so sorry this happened to you. I can imagine you're embarrassed right now. Why don't we go sit down? The person with the gift of leadership says, Andy, would you go get the mop? Jeremy, help clean this up. Julie, get him another plate of food. So we've all been gifted differently. And so we act differently. We we serve differently. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. 
So the, uh, we're talking about how do you discover your spiritual gifts? We talked about you study the spiritual gifts. You must also discern your spiritual gifts. You ask the Lord, what is my spiritual gift? You also, by the way, in discerning your spiritual gift, should ask those around you. You, you should ask those closest to you. Like if you're married, your spouse is the person who needs to affirm that yes, yes, you have this gift. The person, the people who are closest to your life would be able to say, I don't think so. Good try, but that's really not your spiritual gift. So you ask the people who are, who are closest to you, the people who are, you're in the same faith community with, that maybe they would help discern your gift, that they would maybe affirm, I feel like this is my gift. Is that true or not? Because those people, they see your blind spots. Like better than what you see, they see. They know your tendencies. They know the places where you just truly come alive. They see your tendencies. They have insights into how God has uniquely created you. Like the man, he stepped on one of those coin-operated scales. It, it dispensed a card that gave his weight and also comments about his personality. So he did this, and then he handed the card to his wife, and she read it out loud. You are dynamic, a born leader, handsome, much admired by women for your personality. She goes, hmm... And then giving the card a second look, she goes, yep, that's right. They got your weight wrong, too. <laughs> in discerning your spiritual gifts, you should ask God in prayer. You should ask those closest to you. But you should also take the spiritual gifts survey. So Kent Neuenschwander and the gifts team are currently making those available. They put them in mailboxes. There's a table out in the foyer that has them. Pick one of those up. Take a few minutes and fill that out. Now, you have to understand that the spiritual gift survey is a self-assessment. In other words, when I take that, I can choose what spiritual gifts I have. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a self-assessment. So, so you fill that out and you are basically determining what your spiritual gifts are in doing that. So do it prayerfully, do it honestly, but recognize that in discerning your spiritual gifts, you're asking God, you're asking others, and through a tool like that, you're essentially asking yourself, what what are the ways that I like to serve, enjoy to serve? What are the ways that God has used me fruitfully in the kingdom? Okay. How do we discover our spiritual gifts? We study the spiritual gifts. We discern what ours is. There's a third step in discovering your spiritual gifts, and that is to use them. <laughs> use your spiritual gifts. The best way, this is the best way to truly discover your spiritual gift. Imagine the tennis player that reads about how to serve the ball. And he watches tutorial videos on how to serve the ball. And he loves to watch the greatest hits of greatest serves of all time in tennis, but he never actually practices serving the ball. Would that tennis player be successful? No. That would be insane. That would be ridiculous for him to not actually practice serving the ball. And so it is with Christian believers who don't use their gifts, who don't serve others and using their spiritual gifts. So here's what we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 11, 10 and 11. Each of you should use, use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So Peter goes on to say then in verse 11, he says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And listen, you don't always get it right the first time. When you grow up and you choose a career path, you don't always get it right the first time. Sometimes you find yourself in a job, in a vocation, in a field, and you realize, this is just not for me. This is not life-giving. This is not, I, I'm not a joy to work with. I'm, I'm not really very successful. I think I should do something else. And that's okay. You, you don't get it right the first time. You, you don't always know what your best sports are going to be. You, you might have memories of, oh, the time I played tennis. 
The time I went out for the soccer team. Yep, one time I played t-ball. You might have those memories of, you don't always get it right the first time. You don't know which sports you're going to excel at. That's okay. You make adjustments. You keep learning. You keep growing. So sometimes it's best to serve Christ right where you are. You serve him. This is the encouragement from 1 Peter 4. Is use your gifts to serve. Try it out. You might not get it right the first time. That's okay. Serve the person right in front of you. There's a whole sermon right there. (laughs) There's a whole sermon right there. Who has God placed in your life? In your school? In your home? In your workplace? In your core group? In your neighborhood? Who has God placed right in front of you? Serve them. Say yes. To that volunteer opportunity that has been presented to you. Maybe don't sign up for a lifetime. <laughs> Maybe say you'll try it for six months or a year. But, but say yes to those opportunities. Jump in and help with the needs you see in your home, in your church, in your school, in your workplace, in our community. So to improve your serve, you've got to start serving. You've got to use your gift. You've got to start practicing. And it's okay if you don't get it right the first time. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to be having a ministry fair. So during the Sunday school hour, in our gymnasium, we're going to highlight a ton of opportunities right here at MCA. Ways that you can volunteer. Ways that you can serve. We need a variety of gifts to do that. So we will look forward to that next Sunday. We won't have adult Sunday school classes Come to the gymnasium during that time. Uh, Are we having some refreshments during that time, Kent? He's nodding. We're going to have some refreshments to entice you to come. But it's going to be a great time discovering even more. What, What are the ways to serve right here in this great local church? Okay, with that said... The sermon is not over. <laughs> We've talked about how to discover our spiritual gifts, and it's, you've got to study the spiritual gifts. You discern what your gifts are, and then you put them into use. That's a very simple three-step process. But I don't want to let you go until we dig into the scriptures and talk about the actual spiritual gifts this morning. So that's what we're going to do with the rest of our time together. We're going to walk through teaching from the Bible what are the spiritual gifts. Now listen, I realize these can be controversial. Furthermore, I realize that spiritual gifts can be abused. We, we can misuse these. We, we can try, instead, instead of using them to serve others and glorify God, we can actually use them in a way where I'm really just trying to highlight myself. I'm really trying to just draw attention to myself. I acknowledge that, and at the same time, I say, that doesn't nullify the word of God. <laughs> That, that we at times misuse them or, or that at times there are churches or groups or individuals who we might view the gifts a little differently. We don't need to break fellowship over that. We're going to stand on the word of God. And so let's discover spiritual gifts this morning. Uh, one of my uh, biggest influences in teaching scriptures is a guy named Chip Ingram. Some of you are probably fans of his and listen to his as well. He has a teaching, a series called Your Divine Design. Uh, it is on spiritual gifts. It is the probably the biggest resource that I've used in studying spiritual gifts myself. And so I will actually be using Chip Ingram's paradigm, his his Bible study exegetical uh, work, his outlining for our teaching this morning. So I want to give credit to him for that. The most helpful list of spiritual gifts is in Romans chapter 12. This is where Rhonda read for us earlier. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. This is the most helpful list And it contains seven spiritual gifts. So let's go to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 6. It says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Ingram calls these seven gifts the motivational gifts. Seven motivational gifts. In other words, the follower of Jesus should start here with these list of seven spiritual gifts. We should actually concentrate on discovering what is my motivational spiritual gift. We should discover what it is, and we should work on developing this spiritual gift. And again, go through that process of study, discernment, and use. 
So what is this motivational gift? And, and again, the, what he means by what we mean when we say a motivational gift is, this is really kind of the driving force behind who you are as a person. Who, who God created you to be and the supernatural work that God has done in your heart when he gave you the Holy Spirit the moment you chose to surrender your life to Christ. So, so you see the list there on the screen of these seven gifts. And part, maybe this morning, part, part of uh, what God might be doing in your own heart and life is, Lord, what is my spiritual gift? How are you? How have you created me? And how do you want me to serve? So this gift of prophecy is proclaiming God's truth. It's interesting, but in the scriptures, oftentimes, worship leaders, the ones who were singing the songs and playing the tambourines and dancing, they were said to be prophesying. So I do think there's a real connection there. Like with our, with our worship team, with people who, who lead music corporately, there is an element of prophecy there where they are proclaiming God's truth. But if you have this gift, you just have a knack for bringing truth and you do it with power and you do it with clarity. You might think of the Old Testament prophets. Well, of course, they were, they, they, they prophesied. They, they not only foretold, that is, they could see sometimes into what was about to happen. They also foretold, which is they were a mouthpiece for God. They were willing to say, I will proclaim God's truth. And so if that's the way God has wired you, that's kind of your driving motivational force. force. It, that's, your, that's your motivation. It is truth. The truth needs to come out. The truth needs to be told, right? So you might remember that example I gave of the spaghetti that was dropped in the, in the gymnasium. You need to be more careful or else you're going to drop spaghetti on the floor. That's, that's truth. That might not be done as... And, I, and maybe I should have worded that differently because that's not very tactful. And, and, and all of these gifts are beautiful and wonderful. But that's prophecy. Serving is helping in practical ways. This one's really straightforward. You get joy from meeting the needs of others. Like, you don't mind working behind the scenes. You don't mind serving in ways that people don't notice. or You just want to help people. Teaching. That is explaining something in a way that people actually understand. <laughs> that, that, that is, you present ideas and knowledge and truths to others, and they go, oh, I get it. I see that. Encouragement or exhortation. And some of these might be worded a little differently depending on which English translation of the scriptures you have. Encouragement or exhortation. These are the people who just, they lift you up. When you have a conversation, when you have an encounter with them, they, they have the right word. Or they send you that encouraging note. Or, or they give you that pat on the back. These are the kind of people who just sort of stir your heart and lift your spirits. You have the gift of encouragement. And, and if you have this gift, this is your motivation. You want to see people encouraged. It, it breaks your heart when you see people down and depressed and gloomy and not living out the life God has for them. It's like you, you want to stir them up. You want to motivate them. You want to encourage them. Giving. It is cheerfully being generous with all of the resources, with all of the influence. You know, this certainly includes uh, financial resources. The, the, the gift of giving is, it certainly includes money. You, you like contributing, you like supporting, you like giving. It also includes other ways of being generous. I'm going to be generous with my time. I'm going to be generous with my influence. Leadership. You know, there's just something about a leader who has the ability to work with a team, you know, in the sports arena or otherwise, work with an organization or a department or a church to accomplish its goals. They, they bring clarity they bring motivation and direction. You know, the, the gifted leader sort of inspires and motivates and serves right alongside with people, keeping unity and keeping that shared vision. And then mercy. This is having empathy toward others. When they hurt, you hurt. Your motivation is, I feel deeply what other people feel. I have the ability to come alongside someone in whatever state they're in, hey, partner, I'm with you. I, I'm shoulder to shoulder, Wyatt. Whether it's you're, you're going through the mountaintop of success or you're walking through the valley of defeat, the person with empathy is, I feel what you're feeling and I am with you. And whatever I can do, I will do for you. 
You have a compassion. You have a concern for others. So again, those are motivational gifts. This is really the the most helpful list of spiritual gifts in Scripture from Romans chapter 12. And again, as you look at that list, you might be able to weed a few out. Like, well, it's not that one. Nope, I'm definitely not that way. You know, your your wife is elbowing you right now going, nope, don't even say you've got that. (laughs) Don't even think about mentioning that you have that gift because you don't. Or, or maybe there are a few that seem like, oh, maybe, maybe those are possibilities. That's a great start. Take those to the Lord. Take those to people closest to you to begin that process of discernment. Your motivational gift then, we're going to move on to another list of gifts called ministry gifts. But your motivational gift can then be expressed in a variety of ways through ministry gifts. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. There are a few passages then. We talked about motivational gifts. There are a few passages in Scripture, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, that talk about ministry gifts. These are very practical in the life of a local church, by the way. And your motivational gift can be expressed and played out through a ministry gift. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. So let's, let's walk through these. Apostleship. This is the divine enablement to start things. You, you start a business. And by the way, you might, you might realize that as we talk about spiritual gifts today, I'm not talking exclusively about within the four walls of a church. No. I'm talking about in the, in the wild, in the real world. Like, God has gifted you, not just within the four walls of a a building, God has gifted you to serve him in all the places you go. So, you might be an educator in the public school system. Most of us here are just going to take a wild gander that your spiritual gift might be teaching. (laughs) And that's good. That's you using your spiritual giftedness. So, apostleship, it's... Those who start things, and it might be a business or a ministry, it might be a church, it might be planting churches, but you're able to enter into an arena or a field where maybe you don't even know a whole lot. There's a big learning curve, but you adapt and you learn, you grow and you build something. You launch something new, you oversee its development. These are pioneers. They plant new churches And even within the life of a church, they see the ministries in a church and they go, hey, this is all great, but you know what? We need an outreach ministry. Hey, you know what? We need to do medical exams for women in the plain community. Like they see the needs and they're like, and here's how we get there. And here's how we do it. This is the gift of apostleship. They're they're sort of, I I call them the the spiritual entrepreneurs in the church. Apostleship. Okay, prophecy. Now this one's interesting because you go, that rings the bell. We just talked about it. This one's interesting because it can be both a motivational gift and a gift expressed as a ministry gift. But again, the prophet proclaims God's truth. Now, I think if you have the ministry gift of prophecy, you, you do this, you proclaim God's truth in a way that is timely, in a way that is culturally sensitive, in a fashion that brings about edification. And yes, there are times where you do it in a way that brings correction and repentance. So, but that's prophecy. Evangelism. The ability to effectively lead a non-believer into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. But evangelists also, I want to point this out. They also help the rest of the church get better at evangelism. Because here's the temptation. And we saw this in the, the skit on the video a little earlier. The temptation is to go, no, 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 Julie's got the gift of evangelism, so I don't have to share Jesus. But hasn't God called each and every one of us to share the good news of Jesus? It's just that if that's Julie's gift, she does it with an ease. She does it in a natural way. She does it in a way that's like, she's led 20 people to Christ this year. So so I want to point out the fact that we're all called to that. The person with the gift of evangelism, yes, they they share Christ with non-believers in a redemptive way, but they also encourage the rest of the church to become better at evangelism. If you just get around an evangelist, if you just spend time around someone with this gift, your own concern for lost people starts to go up. Okay, the pastor-teacher. 
Some, by the way, some people view this uh, passage in Ephesians 4 as a, as a five-fold giftedness, where pastor and teacher are two separate gifts. Some view it as more of the fourfold. That's the approach I'm taking. The pastor-teacher is the ability to lead, protect, care for a flock of believers. <laughs> That are under your care. The, the word pastor, I love this, but the, the word pastor comes from the same root word for shepherd. And, and if you get a, a literal definition from the Greek, it's to give oversight. And so this is a person who has oversight of others. That, that's kind of the shepherd part. You, you think of the actual shepherd who sits in the field watching the sheep. But, but then there's a second part of this is a dual gift. This is the only dual gift, by the way, but that's the shepherd part. The, the dual gift is the teaching part, because what does a shepherd do if not feed his sheep? And so that's the teaching part, it is, is the, the person with this giftedness also teaches the word of God. And not just here's some random information, but a felt need. And here's what the scriptures say, and here's what God has to say about the matter. Uh, Thias is just keeping it lively here this morning. He's like, woo, spiritual gifts. So the pastor teacher. Um, so let, let me just maybe give an example. Like a person might have the motivational gift, going back to our Romans 12 lift, of encouragement. That, that's kind of the driving force. Want to see people encouraged, lifted up, built up. They, they might have the ministry gift of pastor teacher. And so they, they find themselves then caring for others and teaching God's word in a way that builds up the body of Christ, in a way that others grow spiritually. Does that make sense? So we've got motivational gifts, and then we've got ministry gifts. I would say oftentimes we see these people with this pastor-teacher uh, giftedness, lest you think I'm just thinking of myself through this whole thing, which I'm not. We often see them as our core group leaders. And maybe you're a core group leader, maybe you haven't thought of yourself that way. I don't know. But we often see these people, or as our elders, shepherds. They, they have a knack for caring for people that they lead. They, they step into that role in a really natural way. People want to follow them. People are fine being entrusted to their care. And they're helpful and through their work and through their ministry, people are stirred to greater faith and people are growing spiritually. Okay, there are a few other ministry gifts. And uh, so I want to list those, three of them. Helps. This is those people who truly enjoy serving and supporting. Like you just get great joy if you, I don't know, um, hold the door open for someone. We, we have our team of ushers who I would guess that many of them have this kind of ministry gift. They do the practical things. They hold doors for people. They, they take coats and hang them up for people that need that. Like, those sort of practical things. When you rake leaves for someone, when you offer your time to help bless someone who needs a helping hand. That's the, the spiritual gift of helps. Okay, administration. This one's interesting. It only appears once in the New Testament. And it refers to the helmsman who steers the ship toward the destination. This is, this is the gift of administration. It is... That's the destination. You're the person who has your hand on the, uh, the steering wheel, the steering mechanism that helps us get there. This is a spiritual gift, and it's the ability to steer a church or an organization or a business or a department or a family or a home toward its goals. It's done by managing the affairs, implementing necessary plans, all of those things. Spiritual gift of administration. And then one more ministry gift, which is hospitality. This is the ability to make visitors or guests or even strangers feel at ease. A person with this gift, I think, often uses their home as a place to welcome others in. They open up their home to others. They break bread with other people. They sit, they sit around the table to enjoy good food and drink and, and to share in conversation. They, they, these people have a knack for providing a very warm, welcoming atmosphere. You, you know people like this. You're like, I love going to that person's house. It just has this smell and it has this feel and, and you just feel like you're part of the family when you're invited over. This is the gift of hospitality. They make all people feel welcome. So when someone exercises their motivational gift, 
through their ministry gift, right? So we're now 66% of the way through our study of the spiritual gifts today. Then the Holy Spirit determines what manifestations will benefit most people. So our third list are the manifestation gifts. Now, some of these, many of these tend to be the ones that are supernatural, that are controversial, that we don't really know a whole lot about. The Holy Spirit determines what manifestations are going to benefit most people, bring glory to God, and build up the church of Christ. So I want to walk through this, uh, this next passage. Um, it's a list of manifestation gifts. These all come from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply the principles of God's word in a practical way. And wisdom oftentimes supersedes a person's level of experience or education. In other words, it doesn't matter what your background or training is. It doesn't matter what your age is. You're able to apply the wisdom of God's word to a practical situation. That is wisdom. Knowledge is the God-given ability to learn, to know. These are the kind of people who are able to sort of systematize the precious truths of God's word. It's, it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It is a giftedness, and it is knowledge. Okay, and then faith. And maybe you go, well, that's strange to see faith on this particular list, but faith is trusting God to work beyond human, human capabilities. This is, this is the fruitfulness that is only a work of the Holy Spirit. And, and yes, maybe... That person whose motivational gift is encouragement, whose ministry gift is pastor teacher, and it's the Holy Spirit who stirs up faith. That's the manifestation. That's the, that's the spiritual giftedness, but the credit all goes to Christ in these manifestation gifts. It's, it's beyond explanation. It doesn't make sense. And yet, we trust God. It goes beyond our human capabilities. That's faith. Okay, the next spiritual gift that is a manifestation gift is healing. It's, it's the ability where, where God uses you as an instrument to cure illnesses or restore health. And again, God is the one who does it, not you. God is the one who does it. Miracles, they are a display of God's supernatural power. Discernment, simply put, telling the difference between right and wrong. If you, if you have the spiritual gift of discernment, this is a manifestation of, of it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your uh, amount of training or education, you're able to say, that's of God, that's true, that's right. Maybe even in a specific situation, which way do we go here? Which decision do we make here? What's the right thing for our business? What's the right thing for our family? What's the right thing for our church? What's the right thing for our core group? That person with discernment is key in helping to say, that's the right thing. This is the wrong thing. Okay, and then two more, which are speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Um, don't be confused. Speaking in tongues, and we, I've only been in this church two years, but there hasn't been any speaking in tongues in this church in the two years I've been here. I don't think we really have that as our, as our habit or practice. Um, in, in our larger Anabaptist world, this is something that is uh, not done very much. This is not our tradition. Don't be confused. Uh, there are individuals or, or churches or cir circles within Christendom that use a prayer language. And that is to say, when I'm communicating with God through a time of prayer or worship, I might be using utterances that are coming from some other language, some other source, that are, that are not intelligible to you as English. That's not speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the ability to receive and to then impart. In other words, you actually open your mouth, and there is a, there is a vocalization that's audible to others, a spiritual message, but it's in a language that you've never learned before. So in other words, God uses you to speak a word, a message for the building up of the body of Christ, but it's in a language that you don't know. So you yourself might not know it unless you have both the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. And the scriptures are very clear that this gift is only to be used in the instance where there's going to be an interpretation. And so then there's the gift of 
interpretation of tongues. This would be where God gives you understanding and you're able to translate a language that you've never studied before. And so you might hear the speaking in tongues and you hear it in a language that you understand. The rest of the crowd hears it as gibberish or an unknown foreign language, but you hear it in a language that that you understand. There's something in you that says, I understood exactly what that message was. You have the translation, and you're willing to share it then in Dutch. I mean English. (laughs) You're able to share it then in a way that people understand what's being said there. So again, as we look through this list of manifestation gifts, you know, these are ones that are what, what I call more sensational. Miracles, healing, speaking in tongues. A lot of these are outside of, for, for many of us, our field of experience. They're, they're more supernatural. They're, they're, they're clearly, I should say, they're clearly supernatural. And, and, and I think it's a good reminder. And it's a good challenge to me and to you that we tend to focus on what we can see. We, we tend to focus on, on what we know and what we can grab onto and what we can explain, what we can build, what we can accomplish. But you see, we serve a God who is way beyond our understanding. We serve a God whose ways are higher than our ways and whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And that he calls us, the scriptures say, to walk by faith and not by sight. So am I afraid of these? No, I'm not. And I would encourage you not to be afraid of these either. And I believe that all of the gifts are in operation today in the year 2021. So don't be afraid of these. Trust God. So with these manifestation gifts, they are supernatural. They are a choice that the Holy Spirit makes to bring. If you've got a motivational gift and it's exercised through a ministry gift, you might just see this manifestation and it's chosen by the Holy Spirit and it's done for the edification of the church. God wants to use each and every one of us to build his kingdom. So again, your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it, that's your gift back to God. You know, the healthiest churches, they're not the ones with the superstar pastors. The the healthiest churches, they're not the ones with the crowd-adoring Stadiums filled with people releasing the newest album worship leaders. They're not the ones with the best-selling New York Times listed, please buy my brand new curriculum, youth pastors. The healthiest churches are the ones where people are serving and using their gifts. That it's not just this select few people who are highly talented but it's like a family. It's like brothers and sisters. And we each have our part. And we're each serving together. We're serving one another. And, and I want to and I want to point out here as well. The healthiest churches are ones where the next generation is being equipped, trained, empowered, and unleashed to serve right along with us. Not just wait your turn. Not just when I'm good and gone and dead, then you can run the church and the world how you want. Well, let's go, man. My two-year-old son. These teenagers who are filling these first rows right here. The, The healthiest churches are ones where the next generation is empowered and equipped and serving right alongside those of us who are a little older all generations on mission for Jesus together. MCA functions best when all of us are contributing, when all of us are serving, when we are working together as the body of Christ. And here's the cool analogy. Jesus is the head. We're the hands and the feet. God has gifted you. God wants you to serve him and to serve others. So let's grow in our gifts. No, no, no. Maybe you're not the one who serves those 145 mile per hour rocket serves. Uh, By the way, did you notice the video clip I showed earlier, Roger Federer? Did you notice how fast those serves were? Look there. 116. That's not even close 
to, to, the, to the top speed. That's not even close to being a monster serve. Excellence comes in accuracy. When we're doing what God has designed us to do. So let's exercise our spiritual gifts. Study them, discern them, and use them. Use them for the glory of God. That the body of Christ might be built up and grow stronger. I, I love Paul's concern for the young Timothy. It, it was that he, not only would he identify his spiritual gift, but that he would keep growing and developing in it. Here's what he says to the young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, do not neglect your gift. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. And you know, I pray that's what God's using me to do today hearts growing stronger, faith growing deeper, fanning the flame that you would use the gifts that God has given you. So may we be wise and skillful, like the accurately placed serve that's effective in accomplishing its goal as we become a vibrant community of transformed people who are committed to sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are the giver of all good gifts. And so today, here we are with open hands. Lord, we want to receive all that you have for us. So I pray specifically, Lord, that, that you would help us to discover our spiritual gifts. Would you give us discernment, O oh God? And then by your Holy Spirit, would you use us to serve others and, and to bring about fruitfulness and growth? within the body of Christ. That we would shine for your glory. That we would be a testimony in such a dark world. Because God, you are good. You have been faithful. So by your Holy Spirit, would you accomplish all of this by your might for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.